Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking to Heidi Murkoff. She's a mother, a grandmother, and the author of the legendary What to Expect When You're Expecting. That whole series has more than 19 million copies in print, and I know you've all read it. (laughs) Heidi is also the creator of the What to Expect Project, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping moms in need here in the U.S. to expect healthy pregnancies, safe deliveries, and healthy babies. The What to Expect Project has also partnered with the State Department to bring baby basics global, starting with Liberia and Bangladesh. We're going to talk about all of that today. Welcome, Heidi. Hey, so good to be with you guys. Thanks for being here. So what to expect? I mean, you must not have expected what was going to happen (laughs) with this book when you wrote it. No, I did not. Okay, so I got knocked up, right? That's how it all starts. That's how it started for me, too. I was the definition of clueless, really. I knew nothing about pregnancy. I didn't even see it coming. Truthfully, we got married three months later. Oops. I was pregnant. And so I went to the bookstore back when there were bookstores still. And I bought the three books that were available. And I found them all uniformly terrifying. They didn't answer my questions. They didn't talk me off the ledge. They didn't give me the hug I needed. So true story, can't make this stuff up. Two hours before I went into labor with Emma, I delivered the proposal for what to expect when you're expecting. And, you know, It was a busy day, clearly. I delivered two babies, (laughs) but that was the beginning of my mom multitasking, I guess. No, never saw it coming. I was just hoping that like a handful of other parents would sleep better at night than Eric and I had. I never expected to write a best-selling book or a series of books. Clearly, I didn't expect to have, you know, the number one app because there was no such thing as an app. There wasn't even an internet. And it's funny because I really craved not only information, but support, which I didn't have because we were the first kids on the block to get pregnant in our circle of friends. So that was part of the problem. So from there, it was just, you know, what to expect led to what to expect the first year. And then it was all by word of mom and you know, what parents asked for. So yeah, never saw it coming, never expected it. Nope. Mm-mm. 
when I was pregnant with my 18-year-old, I read, I think somebody gave me a copy of the original. Oh, goodness. The OG, what to expect when you're expecting. What edition are you on now? It's like the eighth or ninth even? Well, it's officially the fifth, so I just did a sixth that should be in circulation soon. But I do update it several times a year. So because the printings are that frequent... Yeah, I think there's like 22 million copies of what to expect when you're expecting and then 40 something of the entire series. But in all of these languages that I don't speak, obviously, I only speak one of them. Mm. But yes, it's pregnancy. Some things about it never change, right? They haven't changed in the 18 years since you were first pregnant. Right. You're still Mm -hmm. bloated and queasy and constipated, right? It's still, you know, about nine Mm -hmm. months. Yeah. Rings a bell. Give or take. But there are some things that have changed. I mean, when I was pregnant for the first time, you had to wear, just look at, don't look, actually, don't look at the cover of the first edition of What to Expect because you'll be horrified. But it's this woman in like a pup tent. You could sleep a family (laughs) of four under and she's sitting in a rocking chair. (laughs) Not my idea, by the way. Not my idea. I did try to fight against that. I lobbied hard. There's like a basket of flowers. You can almost smell the potpourri, right? It's just, Mm, and mm. she's got this look on her face that I tried to delude myself into thinking that it was like dreamy. Right. Like she was the Mona Lisa of pregnancy, but actually she looks miserable. She looks Mm. constipated. Like, (laughs) let's just face reality. She probably was all those things. (laughs) She probably wasn't. So the point being now, the cover of the book, Well, it's actually full circle. That's my daughter, Emma, on the cover of the fifth edition. When she was pregnant with our first grandson, Lennox, and he's on the cover of of the new edition of first year because he was in the right uterus at the right time. Like it just... There you go. But it has come full circle. But, you know, she's standing, first of all. She's not sitting. She's standing. She's, you know, on two feet. She's celebrating her pregnancy. She's got her hands on her belly. She's wearing something that shows that she's proud of her changing body, which we all should be, but which we weren't back in the day because it was something you were supposed to just cover up, right? Right. I mean, I remember one day I went to the my in-laws community pool in a one-piece bathing suit, just like a normal bathing suit that was stretchy when I was pregnant with Wyatt. This is 1985. I think. And uh, people looked at me like I was, I should be arrested for indecency. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Because I was showing a belly. Yeah. That's all. Like I wasn't showing skin that everybody else wasn't showing, but I was showing a belly and it was so inappropriate. My husband's from Texas and his grandmother was very traditional. And when I was pregnant with my first we were staying with her for a weekend and we still say it to each other sometimes because whenever anything came up, I would say, you know what? I'm, I'm not very hungry right now. I'm not, I'm hot. She would always lean into me and in a whisper, like she was saying the most <laughs> shameful thing, she would say, do you think that's because you're expecting? <laughs> As if like, I'm like out to here with a baby. I'm like, Grandma, I think people know. I mean... <laughs> But it was just very charming to me that she was like from that era of like, that's it. let's not acknowledge the shameful situation you've gotten yourself into. The hippopotamus in the room, right? Exactly. It truly, 
it's amazing that humankind like made it until when you think like we weren't supposed to go outside, right? They were just you had confinement and you just stayed inside until you didn't look this horrible way anymore. Exactly. Confinement. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe exactly. you remember that or you know that term. Period of confinement. Lock her up, right? No, it's really, it's amazing. So we have evolved in many ways. And I feel the book cover is just a metaphor for how things have changed. But it's so much deeper than that. I mean, we do, we're more honest about our pregnancies. We talk about them. People message me mucus plugs all the time. I'm glad that is not part of my life. (laughs) So there's nothing that you can't talk about. And that is great because I could have used that support and companionship when I was going through it. And I think sometimes knowing that you're not alone, it doesn't necessarily make those weird symptoms go away or those annoying symptoms or the fact that you're, you know, you know, you're not the only one with a baby who won't stop crying. All of those things, if you know someone else is going through it at the exact same time, it makes it, you know, it's easier to cope with it is what I feel. And the book kind of started that, but then, you know, with the website and the app and the communities and the feeling of sisterhood, we've come a long way, baby. Now, do you see, because I think I remember talking to my mom a lot about that, that the her isolation, not only information isolation, physical isolation, this idea that the mom's group didn't really exist. She was kind of stuck in an apartment with three little kids and yep. just a different world. Do you see any downsides to the information age? Are there? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. I mean, like, as you see the shift from like lots of new positives coming in for moms in 2021, but what do you see as some of the harder challenges? Well, information, misinformation. Like, there's yeah, too much information. Too much information. Yeah. The TMI. I had none. Now you can page Dr. Google 24-7, yes. constantly on call, and that's when moms get into trouble because you have this symptom, great to know that it's normal, but what if you read something that says it isn't normal? Well, maybe it isn't, but call your doctor. Don't call Dr. Google. I mean, because every pregnancy is different. You can't go by some you know, woman on a message board who's telling you that she was rushed to the emergency room because of this symptom. You have, you need to be in contact with your provider because your body is different because your symptoms are different. Your threshold is everything about you is different and different in two different pregnancies, you know? So even your first pregnancy doesn't necessarily predict your second or your third. They're all different. So that's really important. And also, I think probably besides misinformation and too much information, which can really be head spinning and can also have you doubting your own instincts and your own, that little voice inside of you that is so crucial, incredibly important for you to listen to because we all have instincts deep down there somewhere. I think the biggest problem is that there is shaming, there is judging, There are a lot of people out there. I don't call myself an expert. I'm a mom who just has done her homework, but I'm going to tell you there are lots of different ways that you can be a good parent. There are two absolutes, and that's love your child unconditionally and keep your child healthy and safe. And beyond that, there are so many good ways to be a good parent, and don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. But on you go on to, you know, all kinds of 
social media and you will be judged. You'll be judged for how you parent, how you plan to give birth, how you plan to feed your baby. And that's not okay. People always ask, well, why is that? Why do moms judge each other so much? Dads don't. Have you ever seen dads judging each other? Rarely. But is it moms judging? I mean, isn't it the doctors? Isn't it society? I mean... I for sure there are doctors doing that and for sure it's society. But I do believe that women, and I am one, and so I know from what I speak, but I judge myself, right? That's why I feel guilty all the time because I'm always judging myself. Well, women do that to themselves, so therefore they do that to others. Not universally, And I would like to think that what to expect is a kinder, gentler community because we set, you know, the foundation of it is that motherhood is the ultimate sisterhood, right? We all are in this together, Um, no matter what your socioeconomic, religious, racial, cultural, political profile, no matter what, we all want what's best for our babies. That's the starting point. That's the basic premise. Yeah, I think there's too much judging from all different sides and none of it is okay because if you're healthy at the end of the day and your baby's healthy at the end of the day and you're happy-ish, then you're doing what you have to do. You take the information, you sort through it, but and you can pick and choose, right? There's so many people out there saying, this is the way to soothe your baby. This is the way to get your baby to sleep. This is the way to fill in the blank deal with a tantrum, whatever. Your way may be better for your child or not, but you're going to have to figure that out by, you know, feel, by being in the trenches and finding out for yourself. As you were saying before, Heidi, everybody wants what's best for their kids, right? But it is also true that not every pregnancy and childbirth and child gets the same health care and treatment. And I want to talk more about that right after this. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. 
Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. So the What to Expect project, I want to talk about this because it does a lot of great work, but the reasons for its existence were things that I never really understood until I you know, researched it for this episode. Can you talk about what the What to Expect project does, its mission, and also why its mission is necessary? So my epiphany moment was maybe 20 years ago, I was invited to go to Rikers Island Prison and talk to pregnant inmates. And we brought them copies of what to expect, you know, to hand out. And they were, they dove into the books, whatever reason they were in there for, whatever their reading level didn't matter. They were so excited to learn about their bodies and their pregnancies. And I think that was when I realized that every mom wants the best for a baby. It's, you know, I think we're very quick in our society to jump to conclusions about moms who don't get prenatal care. I mean, that was, you know, I always sort of thought in the back of my mind, well, you know, moms should take care of themselves. That was way back before we started the What to Expect Project. But then I realized that everywhere in the world, whether moms have different challenges, and they do. I mean, I met a mom in South Sudan who I saw her give birth. She'd walked 14 miles barefoot to get to a clinic to deliver her baby. I mean, so in a basic, basic, basic structure that had no running water, no infrastructure. So this is, you know, everybody's got different challenges and yet everybody is tied together by this emotional bond. We all want what's best for our baby. So from that, the What to Expect Project went into creating Baby Basics, which is now we're revamping. It's called What to Expect Basics. And it's a pregnancy book that's free, that's given out through a program through local clinics and community centers. But the idea is that every mom craves information, every dad craves information. And, you know, just before the pandemic, we were in in India and Bangladesh, visiting clinics with Japaigo, which is an amazing organization that does that trains midwives around the world to serve moms who don't necessarily get medical care. And it was incredible to see their program. Moms were in group classes learning about, you know, they didn't know how to read, but they had the basics of wanting to learn. And they were taking each other's blood pressure and they were checking each other's eyes and and mouths for anemia. And one of the moms said, you know, I love coming here because I love learning about my body. And that's it. So that was just incredibly inspiring. I saw the statistic that one third of deliveries around the world happen without medical assistance. Yes. And I think I did understand that there are women in the Sudan who have to give birth unassisted, you know, who don't get any medical help. Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand 
that things weren't so great in the United States either. Not that we're walking 14 miles barefoot, but that people are getting very different kinds of health care based on their race or socioeconomic status, where they live. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely, especially based on their race, because Black moms are two to four times more likely to die from complications of pregnancy and childbirth. And that's in the U.S.? In the U.S., yes, in the U.S. And that's regardless of their socioeconomic status. Of course, moms in rural areas where healthcare has been dramatically cut back, especially during the pandemic, or in urban areas where hospitals have been shut down, those moms don't get care. Those moms have a much higher rate of serious life-threatening complications because when you don't get prenatal care early and you don't get it consistently because there's nowhere to get it, you end up with complications going untreated. And if you don't have you know, any way to get treated, they escalate and you've got life-threatening complications. Postpartum care, I mean, it just boggles the mind that Medicaid only covers two months in many states of postpartum. So after that, a mom is covered from the time she becomes pregnant until two months postpartum. And then if she wants to get pregnant again, she can get covered again. But in between, and 60% of postpartum complications actually happen after those two months. Physical and emotional complications. You have mental health issues that don't get dealt with postpartum depression, postpartum psychosis, postpartum anxiety disorder. So if you don't have basic coverage for moms, a continuum of care, which by the way, should start preconception because a mom should get healthy before she gets pregnant. But if she doesn't have a provider, she can go see to get healthy. And let's say she has diabetes or she has high blood pressure and she gets pregnant with all of those you know, conditions already happening, that puts her at much greater risk. So there's that. You know, so we are hoping to make lots of changes and we have made some changes. We just passed a doula resolution with Senator Durbin and Representative Gwen Moore recognizing the importance of doulas, especially for vulnerable moms. Can you explain what a doula is? Yes, absolutely. A doula is a support person who is there throughout your labor and delivery, whereas a doctor or a nurse comes and goes, even a midwife comes and goes. So this is a non-medical person who is only there to support you. And studies show that women who are supported by doulas are less likely to need interventions, they're less likely to have a C-section, they're less likely to have uh, life-threatening complications and postpartum complications. They're less likely to have postpartum mood disorders. So it's all a matter of emotional and physical support. We're also fighting for, you know, to mandate coverage for doulas across the Medicaid system and for all moms who need it. We also were able to get a doula bill into the National Defense Authorization Act this year, which a five-year pilot program to provide doulas for military moms. I know you wanted to talk about military moms as well. Absolutely. I've been working, and the What to Expect project has been working with military moms since 2013. So we've done, I don't know, 300 baby showers for military moms around the globe from Okinawa, Korea, Germany, Kansas, Alaska, Hawaii. We're heading off in just the months of to Florida and Fort Stewart and 
Pensacola area. Right. So we've been doing these showers virtually for the last year and a half, but we're starting up live again. Military moms, if you think about it, I mean, all moms need support, but they are so far from their family and their friends and their typical network of support. Often their partners are deployed. So having a doula becomes even more important for these moms who don't have anyone with them during that critical and really very vulnerable time. So that's happening. Mental health care for military moms, vitally important. We're working on legislation for that as well because they are more vulnerable to pregnancy and postpartum mood disorders. And it seems like the kind of care, and this is something I came to understand being pregnant myself, and we almost say with child raising too, like a little bit more care yields exponential results, right? Like, Oh my goodness, yes. The more you know, and the more, you know, a day with a doula means a very different outcome than like a doctor who can only visit for an hour. Exactly. And there you find... The flip side, so it's not just beneficial for the mom, but it's beneficial for the healthcare system because you are saving big bucks, Mm -hmm. big bucks when you don't have those, you know, when a mom is able to have a natural childbirth instead of Mm. one that requires a lot of interventions, you're saving big bucks. And when there are fewer complications, when there's not a C-section complications from that, you're saving big bucks. When you invest in preconception and prenatal care for every woman early and often, the savings is exponential because you're talking about a healthy mom and a healthy baby with a healthy future. And you underlined in particular that isolation and loneliness, which can come from being Mm -hmm. deployed yourself or your spouse is deployed, you're far from everybody, that people who are isolated and lonely during the postpartum stage are more likely to have mental illness issues, anxiety, depression, and if it is to go untreated because they're so isolated. Yes. So the baby showers that you're doing for these moms, these military moms, does that help with the isolation and loneliness as well? Absolutely. And not only because we're there to celebrate them, and I have a very strict one hug minimum, no maximum, like I hug and hug and hug and snuggle babies and it's so much fun, but because they get to connect with other moms. So they'll 100 moms in a room, 10 moms at each table. Those moms who've never maybe met, maybe they just PCS there. Maybe they're meeting other moms for the first time in their community because it is very isolating. It is hard, especially when you're in a foreign country or especially a country like, say, Japan or Korea, where the culture is so different. You can't just go out and explore the neighborhood as easily. Making those connections is so important and those moms stay in touch. And if, you know, one of them has a problem and nobody's home and they need help with, you know, two kids, they've got to, you know, be rushed to the hospital, they have someone else there to help a sister out. And that's critically important. So, you know, I think every mom deserves that, but I would go out on a limb and say, especially military moms who are serving you know, so far from their family and friends. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this issue and bump day, which is coming up. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used hero bread. It 
adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero-gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. One thing I wanted to connect in listening to you talk about this is that there is such a universality about this. And I think that like one of the things that podcasts, blogs, what to expect has brought into our lives is this tremendous amount of information. But it starts with saying to women, expectant moms, that access to this information will make your life easier. And I think that sometimes on the podcast, we hear from people mm -hmm. who feel kind of overwhelmed and like, oh, it's too much information. There's too many books. They all say different things. I don't understand what I'm supposed to be doing. And I try to tell people I had postpartum anxiety and I always was very wary of the advice of like, listen to your instincts because my instincts were telling me this baby is going to die from every, all of the things. You're absolutely right. And so my instincts were like, heightened in a way that was not healthy for me. Mm -hmm. And what I feel like I learned after three pregnancies and dealing with this is I think a lot of what you're talking about, that availing yourself of expertise and information is sort of the path to getting the help that you need more so than just sort of the more generic, like trust yourself as a mom, because for me, that advice wasn't, it took me in some crazy directions, but I like this idea of grounding yourself with doulas, with a lot of care. Because let's face it, back in the day or in some places of the world still, 
where there are no birth attendants, where there are no doctors, yes. yeah. instance, baby, that's all they got, right? So you need a balance. Yes. And balance is hard to find these days, but you do need a balance. So you're absolutely right. If your instincts, if you have anxiety disorder, which is a thing, by the way, it's a condition. It's not just being, you know, normal new mom stress kind of thing or doubting yourself. This is when you're having ruminative thoughts and your, your baby is at risk all the time and you are terrified all the time. And that needs treatment. It needs therapy. And, you know, possibly might need medication depending on your condition. But you need a balance of those instincts, but also the information and information that you can trust, information that's accurate. For sure. And that's why you need a provider who you can trust. Right. Because if you don't trust your provider and, and unfortunately, there are a lot of providers who maybe don't necessarily explain things well or don't answer your questions. That's not the right provider for you. Unf right. Or have 45 patients and it's hard for them to see everyone. Exactly. I mean, I was at an HMO. I didn't get a lot of time with my doctors. And so exactly what I'm hearing from you is, yes, this work applies to all moms, basically. Mm -hmm. Like I hear you're talking about work in the Sudan and Korea and military bases, but I'm like, that kind of work helped me too. Like seeking out a doula, mm -hmm. seeking out books and resources and apps so that when I had postpartum anxiety, even though my friends were supportive, I still needed this kind of support that you're talking about. So I want to put that in people's paths. Absolutely. And unfortunately, that information is not universally accessible. Yes. And that's what we're working on because every parent deserves access to that information. And knowledge is power. Knowledge is power, but it's especially empowering when you're pregnant, when you're a new parent. So everybody needs that base of knowledge. But accurate knowledge is power, right? We had a guest on a few weeks ago who wrote a book called You're Doing It Wrong about the history of, you know, judgmental mothering advice. And they were talking about the dangers of their seeing advice that has been disproven 50 years ago being shared on Instagram with the beautiful new memification and it gets shared 400,000 times. Like, that's bad information. And we've known that since the 80s. Yep. So knowledge is power, but all knowledge is not created equal. You do need to know that it's knowledge you can trust. It is not equal. No. Let's talk about bump day. So Bump Day is what to expect projects, way to raise awareness about the need for improved maternal health care everywhere in the Sudan mm -hmm. and in the United States and for all of us. And so tell us about what Bump Day is and how we can get involved. So on July 21st, we're celebrating our seventh annual Bump Day, and it's a social media campaign advocacy awareness campaign to celebrate beautiful bumps and healthy pregnancies because we all should celebrate that while raising the awareness about the need for better care for all moms in the U.S. and around the world. And we're focusing this year on, as we did last year, on Black maternal mortality, how we can provide better care, but also for moms in rural areas who don't get care, moms who are American Indian, Native Alaskan, who also face a two to three times greater risk during pregnancy, again, because they don't necessarily get the best care or have access to information. So it's so easy to participate and it's fun, which is a plus. You just have to post a bump and it can be 
passed. You don't have to run out and get pregnant by July 21st. I'm just saying, I <laughs> personally, I love being pregnant, so I would totally do that. But yeah, you past or present, you're somebody, a bump you love, your mom's bump, doesn't matter. Just post it with the hashtag bump day. Hashtag bump day on July 21st. And we have a toolkit with messages about how we can all support each other and support healthier pregnancies and healthier babies for all moms. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Awesome. Amy and I will be posting our bumps on uh, bump day and we'll tag our listeners so they can see what we look like. I can already picture the picture I want to use. Not new bumps, friends. Not new bumps. Old bumps only, I'm afraid. Old. Exactly. I have like, we were pregnant before there were cell phones, right? So we don't have pictures. I have like three old dusty Polaroids that I trot out every year. You have to take it to the photo restoration and be like, can you make this look? Yeah. Yes, I totally, I totally do. But, but no, it's really a lot of fun. And I hope that everybody will share. And, you know, it's like share a bump, spread the word and save a life. That's the idea of Bump Day. Can you tell us if people want to hear more about the What to Expect project and the different things you do, how they can get involved? Well, first of all, for now, go to whattoexpect.com slash bump day and the whattoexpectproject.org. And you can also, you can ask me. I'm at Heidi Murkoff on all my social media. And believe you me, I answer every message and every question that I get. So so just putting it out there. You even take pictures of biological phenomenon. We're ready. Totally. Diapers. Like, you got a diaper that's a mystery? Send it over. <laughs> Heidi will take a look. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you are a bold woman to be announcing that on a podcast. God bless you. Oh, yeah. You've probably seen it all. I bet nothing shocks you anymore. Do not send your diaper pictures to What Fresh Hell podcast, please. We are. This is Heidi only is making this offer. We are not involved in this. Uh, Heidi only. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) While supplies last. I mean, what to expect when you're expecting was quite well thumbed in my house, but I had no idea until researching this episode just how much you do around the world to make life better for pregnant women and new moms. And I'm so glad to know about all the work that you do. Well, motherhood is the ultimate sisterhood, right? Yep. We're all in the same boat together and it's not sinking. It's just that sometimes it it feels like it's sinking. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we need those sisters to plug our boats for us on the journey, for sure. Yeah, that's exactly right. So plug your fellow mom's boat and let's get sailing. Good. All right. So we'll post links for everything bump day, where you can send Heidi those diaper pictures, because I know you're going (laughs) to do it, friends. And Heidi, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today. This was great. Cervical mucus to me. You never know. (laughs) Oh, she'll take it all. She'll take it all. Thanks, Heidi. This was great. Thank you. Oh, you guys, it was fun. Thanks. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how 
all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 